0: Hi, Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus, rolling. I can get on board. (laughs) Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. (laughs) It's time to get this short bus started, so let's roll, and on with the show. That's Darren Jolly on guitar. This is Brian Courtney with Short Bus Debate Club, and today we are talking about guitarists.
1: Not right. me, though, for damn sure.
0: <laughs> to some <laughs> degree, um, and I know I say that a lot, I gotta quit doing that, I think that's a crutch word.
1: That's right, I say um, and at this point in time a lot, so.
0: um, Apparently I do too. So <laughs> we're talking about guitar heroes, uh, just <laughs> guitar players um people that make music what it is today and has been historically and and just i don't know people that inspire us i guess
1: yeah music's a good thing it's a good thing for your soul okay uh yeah guitar like uh it's funny you know i grew up like any other kid when i saw guitar heard guitar i just wanted to be a guitar player uh Of course, I tried and I sucked at it, but that doesn't mean that uh, I don't absolutely love and appreciate uh, a lot of different uh, musical spaces out in the, uh, the ether.
0: Yeah, I gotcha. So, you know, I think this argument happens a lot where people say, well, who are your favorite guitarists? And I don't know, maybe it's the... The circles that I've run in, or or the type of music that I listen to, which that isn't even really fair because I have a fairly eclectic music taste. Um, nobody can really identify what I listen to based on looking at my my MP three player. But you know, if if that question comes up in these. Circles that I happen to be in You know, Jimi Hendrix is always there And and rightfully so Um, He He was brilliant Especially For The time that we're talking about I mean, because he was born in what, 43? I think that's about right So He Definitely Laid the groundwork For Innovation, as far as playing guitar goes, um, you know, another couple of guys that are that are in those um, forty-two, you're good, close, close. Okay. Eddie, well, that's even younger, so that means, or that's even older. older. so that goes for the innovation even more, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Eddie Van Halen was always in that that argument. Um,
1: I love Eddie Van Halen.
0: I, technically,
1: the dude was super sound. Dude, uh, Abruption was one of the cool... I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I heard, I heard that song the first time. You know, all that weird hammer and shit that he was doing on. I, I loved uh, I loved it. But he was stubborn. He didn't want to... You know, I think if you're going to be good... It's like if you have a natural talent at something. Like, do you just stop at that natural talent? Or do you find other people that, you know...
0: Well, he did, he did some other different stuff. I mean, I know that concert that we went to the, the four unlawful carnal knowledge tour, um, that song. I know that. And they got booed off stage. It cracks me up that they (laughs) got (laughs) booed off stage because then they ended up being brilliant. And then Lane Staley ended up dying and they were no longer brilliant. And whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he did that song pound cake where he actually took a drill and and ran it on the guitar. Now, whether or not that's <laughs> that's innovative, I don't know. Um, what's his name from ZZ Top? He used to play with a quarter as his pick. Um, how, is how, it? How, how. Is well, that's John Lee Hooker. The how, 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 well, how. he
1: did it in. Uh, they did it in. Uh, um...
0: Outside Lagrange. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <That's the one.
1: laughs>
0: but what's Billy Gibbons? Gibson. Gibbons. Yeah. He played with a quarter because he thought that it gave him a real unique sound. A- and it did, from listening to other people play guitar. Um, you know, so William Frederick Gibbons. The drill thing, yeah, that might have been a stretch. might have been a gimmick. Well, um, I, just, I, I, I dug I, that song, though. No,
1: dude, and I, I don't want to pound on the guy, you know, because... I just think like he was really resistant to like learning anything about music theory. And when I like, when I go into my weird spaces, the people that I get like most excited about or interested in. Um, and this is like, not on the history side because you're, you're kind of starting on the, the, the history side when I mean, you We start with Jimmy or you know, you bring up Chuck Berry or something like that, you know? Um, but uh, like, say for instance, there's a, uh um, McGee is a band that I listen to a fair amount. Um, Jake Sinninger, um, that dude, like, is, like, the jazz modes, and, like, I, I don't know, because I don't know the technicalities would mix Lydians and all these various different things. It just seemed like, uh, and I think Eddie Van Halen, like, a lot of his stuff, he he learned by ear, you know? Like, he, he I don't think that, it, at least from what I heard. So
0: you think Eddie's a parrot? Like, I think Eric is a parrot. Clapton.
1: No, no. What do what
0: you? Are you gonna, or a mimic. You're, you're going to have to. So, okay, so... And and I shouldn't say this, because Eric Clapton did a lot of brilliant shit in his younger days when he did drugs. I think when he got off of drugs, his brilliant shit kind of left him. And he just started... Eric Clapton at some point reminded me of... Uh, oh, what's his name? Oh, I get by with a little help. Oh, Joe John Cocker. Cocker. Yeah. yeah. Um. Where... He was no longer innovating and and improvising. He was just copying other people's shit. Um, and I think Eric Clapton kind of got into that mode later on in life. I don't want to say it ended when drugs ended. But, you know, if you look at Eric Clapton with, with Cream and, and Derek and the Dominoes... Did he write, Layla? That was a different Derek, or that was a different Eric than... <laughs> than Eric Clapton now. Did he write Layla? Do you know? I think that was one of those that was written by all of them. I, you know, name, name, name. Produced by so-and-so. Uh,
1: the only reason why I said that, like, the parrot thing I get, like, one thing, One a former boss of ours, when we worked, I will not mention any names, but when we worked at the old music store, he I remember he would always say uh, about Eric Clapton, just shut up and play. You know, because, like, his... Like, well I the only reason why I don't think of him as parroting anything is is that like if I hear his tone I always I always know it's him like there are certain like tones on a guitar player like if you if you hear David you hear David Gilmore he has a very specific tone and style the way that he bends inside of those spaces but I do think that it legitimately, because I don't think that, like, the last half of his life he's written, you know, Tears in Heaven. I mean, that's, that's, that's like not, uh, not, it's not Layla. That's, that's for damn sure. Right. You know, or right. anything that he was playing in the, but most of the stuff I guess I like from him is stuff that other people had written, other blues things that he's, but it's still his, there's no doubt that when, when he puts his stamp on it, you know, like the way that Jimmy did with All Along the Watchtower, that was Bob Dylan's song, but, jimmy put a stamp on it like nobody ever did
0: before well and you know you said something interesting though because you said eric clapton and the blues and you know led zeppelin the rolling stones and you know Derek and the dominoes and those guys they were in in england Mm -hmm. and all of those guys loved the blues and and copied it i mean the rolling stones even the beatles um they were doing covers of blues songs before they ever got famous. And then the Stones still did and and Led Zeppelin ended up being sued by probably every blues player out there because of the fact that they this stuff, on the, first album. Yeah. This stuff on the first album, especially, yeah. Um He did write
1: it. He wrote it with uh, Jim Gordon, it says Eric Clapton and Jim Gordon wrote Layla. I'm sure he didn't write the piano part. That fucking piano part at the end is just insane.
0: But Lila. Sorry. You got me on my knees. Anyway, um, I I thought it was interesting that you said that because obviously, you know, he did his thing with B.B. King for a while, you know, and so he he was definitely influenced by the blues, but Jimmy Page, who he's not one of them that I would have ever considered one of the greatest guitar players ever. He, he was a good guitar player, and I love Led Zeppelin. I hate Stairway to Heaven with all of my fucking heart, but I love Led Zeppelin. But Jimmy Page isn't one of those guys that I would have considered one of the greats. But there was this movie, I think it was called, It Had to Be Loud, or It Was Really Loud, or something. It was a documentary. And whoever did the documentary said he got three of the greatest guitar players ever. And it was Jimmy Page, the Edge from U two, mm-hmm. and Jack White. Now Jack White is a good fucking guitarist, better in my opinion than Jimmy Page and the Edge. I would have never called him a great guitar player ever. And, just, he creates great
1: tones. I agree. I like his stuff. Is not it? It's just tones. It's again like it's. A, there's a signature that he has on his. But he's he's yeah.
0: Well, especially after watching that movie, because he was, as far as I'm concerned, cheating. He was was DJing, Uh because he'd say, you know, he'd strum something, and then he'd throw it through a mixing board, and he'd stretch it, and reverb it, and do whatever. And to me, that's not... That's not playing guitar.
1: So, like for instance, on the Joshua Tree, right? Like if you go back and listen to where the streets have no name at the beginning with the the intro, dun, 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 you know, that's that's just a and it's a catchy. It's good on the ear. It's 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 like musically sexy, but it's just because of the way that he put the delay and the reverb on it. It's not, you know, there's like a, there's like a bouncing sound with the way that the strum connects to the and that is yes, that's not that's not a, a technician. Like I, I the Jimmy Page thing, I think is interesting because I think that he is one of the best writers of all time. But he is a terrible technician, you know, like I, it had to have been difficult, like sitting next to the Yardbirds, you know, when you've got, you know, you got fucking Jeff Beck on one side, who is definitely one of the best guitar players of all time. Absolutely. Yeah, and just yes. crazy. Sometimes you listen to him and you're like, dude, what the fuck's going on in your head? But, uh, and, uh, didn't, and who, who else well, was, well, Eric Clapton was there. The yeah. yeah. So you're stuck between Eric Clapton and, and, and Jeff Beck. And again, like. Jimmy Page, when he when he quit, you know, drinking it. I remember he was puking on himself at Live Aid one year. You know, I mean, you, you you do better for yourself unless you only only Keith Richards can. But again, there's another one. Like I like Keith Richards as a player and a writer, but he is not the greatest guitar player of all time, not by any stretch of the imagination.
0: But you know, and I don't want to circle too much off of the the guitar thing, but the Rolling Stones. I like a lot. I can never say that I loved them. And you know, that's another argument, Beatles or stones. And I got to go Beatles every time. If, if I could only have one of them, Mm. it's going to be the Beatles. And it's not because of me not liking the stones. It's just because in my opinion, the Beatles are so much better.
1: I I love the Beatles songwriting too. The Beatles songwriting was just so unique. George Harrison was a, you know, just a really cool, like quiet in the background, you know. I mean, yeah, dude. I, I'm 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 actually right there with you on the Beatles. But I, I, I the Stones are they're great performers. I mean it's amazing to think that they still I mean they're all like eighty north of eighty now and they're still all, you know, jamming out, like which is just
0: Yeah, it is it is crazy. But really all of those bands, I mean, are really fucking old and I did. Kraftwerk came to Red Rocks earlier this year, and those guys have been around since the late 60s. Who's Kraftwerk? I, I don't even know who they Kraftwerk is basically, and again, I, we're kind of spiraling, but they were one of the first, what I would consider, electronica-type bands. Weird. Um, but And they, they were doing
1: it through analog stuff, though.
0: So. Yeah, back in the 60s. Weird. Um.
1: So who 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 is your top five then? If you gotta to pick top five guitar players, then
0: see I don't know, and that's that's one of those things I think like books or movies where it's kind of like the mood that you're in, right? Um, but so I Jeff Beck is definitely on there. Um Prince is definitely Prince on is there. An awesome guitar player. Um I fucking love Tom Morello. I think that he can play different types of music and you know, he's, he's played some Jimmy stuff where it could have been Jimmy. And that's kind of the thing. Like if you're going to do a cover, in my opinion, you've got to either nail it to where you don't know it's a fucking cover or you've got to spin it to where it's yours. You know, you're not just trying to kind of sound like this is them, not
1: karaoke, right?
0: Yeah, or um, guitar
1: karaoke would be the same thing as karaoke at that point.
0: But, uh, and you know, Tom Morello was with Rage, and he was with Audio Slave. Um, he did that band. What the fuck were they called? Rage in Cleveland, I think, or something. Yeah. Where he was with Chuck D. Really? Um. So he's. He's got some some different levels to him. So I, I think Tom Morello would be there because he's got that improvisation thing as well as the the technician thing.
1: I think he's unique, but I, I, I think that uh, he he's gets super dependent on the uh, the effects a lot a lot as well.
0: So. He likes to bend notes. But I don't know if like I don't think he does like what the Edge does and throw him through a mixer. Yeah,
1: right.
0: He might. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Okay, so that's three.
0: What? What? what um. There? I don't know, dude. See, like, um, I do like Jack White a lot. I always loved Eddie Van Halen, but then I've got like Gary Clark Jr. Yeah, is fucking God, brilliant, God. Yeah. man. He's awesome, and he played with definitely Jimmy Vaughn when he was like 12 years old because he was raised in Austin so he was always hanging out in Second Street so he played with Jimmy Vaughn and I'm pretty sure he played with Stevie before Stevie Ray Vaughan died um but I don't know that that's tough um
1: five is impossible. I mean, that's why I give you such an impossible number to, I mean, there's, there's a million names that you haven't, like, obviously I'm a jam band guy, right? I mean, you've known me for a long, you know, yeah. like I, like I would never put Jerry Garcia as greatest guitar player of all time. He created space and they sort of like all kind of wander around in those same areas. But like, if I put him up against somebody like Trey, Trey, particularly Trey in the nineties, dude, like uh, Trey Anastasio, his, uh, his chops are just uh. And the way that he would create live, you know, and again, like when you're talking about best guitar players, like, so there's studio stuff and there's live stuff. I mean, sometimes people just do incredible things in the studio. Like I would never, I don't listen to Fish's studio albums. I would never, I listen to their live stuff, you know, uh, like Jake Sinninger, you know, like they will cover Pink Floyd in a way that, uh, goes in their own direction, but respect respects, like, uh, the spirit of the thing that, uh. And then they do their own thing where they're, they had this song called Ringo I was listening to the other day that was like an hour and two minutes, you know. And I mean, it was just really, there were like three parts of the song, maybe 12 minutes that actually had lyrics and stuff. But the other, you know, 50 minutes was them. And they had, I think there were some people in town that came, the the, uh, keyboardist Kevin, uh, um, or Kyle Hollinsworth, keyboard keyboard for, string cheese incident, came and sat down for about 15 minutes and then walked off stage. They had another guitar player come out and walk off stage. You know, they were just people that were, like, coming and going and jamming in this hour-and-two-minute song. And uh, I don't know, he's another one worth listening to that people are probably not very familiar with.
0: Well, I mean, if, if you want to talk about people that the audience isn't familiar with, then I think we do need to mention like Steve Cropper. And, and I don't know that he necessarily goes on my, my Who, top five. So Steve Cropper was part of Booker T and the MGs. Okay. He was the guitar. And Booker T and the MGs were the studio band for Stax Records in, I know it was Tennessee. I, I want to say Nashville, but it might have been Memphis. Um, He's an old man. Yeah, well, I mean, Stax Records has yeah. been out of business since the '80s. <laughs> so, um, but he was an unknown, and he played with and for so many people because he worked for Stax yeah, studi- Records.
1: That's, a, I mean, that he, studio musicians. That's such a different. I mean, it, but. Because you, you got to be able to sit down and you got to be able to play whatever you got. Right. You got to go through. You can go through half of it and you know where it's going essentially because you understand that. And that's like when I think about Eddie Van Halen, like raw talent, you know. But somebody like like Cropper, he like he he understood enough about music theory. If you're a studio musician like that, you understand enough about to where you uh, time signature changes, you know, key changes, you know, relative minors.
0: Well, and so maybe Booker T and the MGs and the Funk Brothers are not good examples of studios, because in those particular studios, they had a certain type of music, right? So the Funk Brothers were the studio musicians for Motown. Yeah. And obviously Booker T and the MGs with Stax Records. So Stax and Motown were mostly black musicians, and they had a tendency to do a certain type of music. Call it R&B, call it Motown. So maybe those guys didn't have to branch out as much. Mm-hmm. Now, the guys down at Muscle Shoals, that they called the Swampers, and the Wrecking Crew in Even L.A., they played with a lot of different people, so they had a wider range of stuff, because it was... It was rock, and it was R&B, and it was blues, and I don't think they did any punk rock, but it was country. It was, you know, it was this broad spectrum of genres that... I think maybe based on what you're saying, you know, there's that raw talent, but then they can do all of these different things. So you're
1: pulling this front person in, and we're going to just fill up these spaces,
0: right? For you. So maybe the Wrecking Crew and and the Swampers are a better example of that than than Booker T and the Funk Brothers. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I mean. Oops. I, I don't know anything about this um, studio musicians specifically but I do know that if you're gonna sit down and do it there's a goofy guy I listen to on YouTube all the time lately named name, uh, Rick Beato. and uh, he always talks about you know th- this guy did studio stuff for, for that for that group of people and they, and because and you, you have to sit down there and you have to literally just hear it and then boom be be on your way because there that's that's your profession at that point in time that's what you uh, which is weird to think about because music, Well, there's a structure to it, like uh, the feel is as important as the structure is. Like you can't just, you know, it's not
0: like two plus two equals four, you know? Well, and I would imagine that it really, not that Jim Morrison, you know, when he went into the studio in LA, not that he used the the studio band, Um, but if he did... Jim Morrison would be significantly different than say George Harrison or Aretha Franklin or anybody else. And not because of the genre, but because of the personality, right? He was the lizard King and he just, you know, let's play and see how it feels (laughs) where somebody else might've said, okay, no, no, we need this structure and this. Um, I'll give you a little bit of leeway here, maybe, but not really. You got to keep it tight.
1: That had to have been frustrating. I mean, because, yeah, he was so out of it. And yeah, like your, your, your image of him is that like ultimate feeling kind of like,
0: like vibes, man, you know, (laughs) right Right on Robbie, (laughs) you know, (laughs) (laughs) But that's, I mean, that's what I was saying is that being a studio musician, you've got to work with all of those people and know, know your audience. Um, And at that point, the person that hired you is your audience. So you got to try and understand what they want as fast as possible. I
1: I could never, like when it comes to the best musicians, your point earlier about, about what, what, what mood, you know, and feeling like. I, I will forget about somebody that I haven't listened to for 18 months and then I'll just have to, like, listen to it, you know. Everything in music is about, you know, mood when it, when it comes down to, um, which is why when people get stuck in certain spaces, rigid spaces, when it comes to music, like, uh, I, I, I need a different guitar player for, you know, every day of the year, you know. Like sometimes I want to listen to Billy Strings. You you heard about this guy at all? Mm-hmm. He's a he's sort of a new glass new grass, bluegrass guy. Uh took a lot of influence from Doc Watson, another important uh old old picker, um, Tony Rice. Um all that bluegrass scene, but he brought all these weird uh he loved the dead, he loved heavy metal-ish kind of stuff. Like he'll do weird covers sometimes, but he does he does them in the context of bluegrass, but it's not straight bluegrass, it's like it's like Jam Band, kind of. You, 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 this is a kid you got to check out. You gotta, Billy Strings? Billy Strings, yeah. he's uh, And the people that he sits in with all the time, they're all... It's interesting. like, string Cheese Incident, uh, they were a part of the Jam Band thing, but they had that big bluegrass, sort of like with Bill Nershey and uh, Michael Kang and all those guys, that big influence. And a lot of... And Leftover Salmon, of course. Um, there had been a, a huge revival of weird incredible bluegrass players that are not just and of course like you you purists right sometimes when it comes to music you know if you're not following the letter of the law but you like you you i mean it's like when Bob Dylan was playing uh at the Newport festival and the first year that he played it he did you know his, and it's acoustic and blah 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 and everybody and blah 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 and everybody's like oh this feels good yeah hippies you know we're all chic and we're in the and then the next year he comes in and he plugs in and like people were acting like, uh, he put a gun to their head and blew their fucking brains out. You know,
0: like, you know, I, I think that the music industry has changed. Um, it's still a lot about marketing. Um, and so maybe that's why I never heard of Billy strings because, you know, bluegrass isn't one of those things that they try to push down your throat. Um, there's not a, a strictly bluegrass station. You know what I mean? you, Really, there's not even, at most record stores, if you can find a record store anymore...
1: Yeah, I, um, I don't think my daughter knows what a record store
0: is. You can't find a, a bluegrass section. I mean, it, it would be country bluegrass, or something along those lines. Maybe, but nothing, there wouldn't be an entire section of bluegrass, is what I'm saying. So It would be,
1: it would be in with the country stuff, like you said, yeah.
0: So... I, it's funny though because and again i i know i keep swinging off off topic but now i'm just thinking of really good musicians and you talked about the the letter of the law with regard to to music and nashville apparently is a a horrible place because What they do is they want to produce songs that are singable by someone, right? So Nashville hires two types of people. They hire singers and they hire songwriters, but they don't hire both. And so Willie Nelson went to Nashville and struggled and struggled and struggled because he wasn't following that letter of the law. He wanted to do both. Yeah.
1: It's the same thing that happened to Steve Earle when he came into
0: Nashville. Steve Earle is another guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he could play guitar. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but then I know Willie went back to Austin or went to Austin, I should say. And that's where he ended up succeeding. Mm-hmm. Where did Steve Earle go?
1: All right. he, he So he, he went down to Nashville. They cut. They cut an album, and then he started to do heroin at a time. And then he cut Copperhead Road, I think, which was just all angsty is angsty all get out. But he didn't
0: stay in Nashville, he was did around, he? he?
1: I think he was in and out of that area. I don't think he totally ever he totally ever left. But there's no doubt that what you're saying is true. They brought him in there. He was supposed to be the next face, like they wanted him to be the face of. And uh, he said, no, I'm going to do what I do. And uh, he butted up against it, which I think by his own account is probably why he ended up partying so hard and, you know, having hair on needles hanging out of his eyeballs and stuff. I don't know.
0: All of those guys in Nashville, regardless of whether you were a success uh-huh. or if you were just struggling, uh-huh. um, from what I've seen and heard uh-huh. and, on documentaries and, and stuff, um, those guys partied hard, and everybody thinks, you know, rock music, hard drinkers, uh-huh. drugs, whatever, those country music people didn't fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> they, they loved heroin and speed and fucking downers and weed and I just of meant course that he was doing booze. that because he
1: was button. That was what he was, he, the way that he was able to buck up against it. Like when he was he, he's like fuck you, you know, I'm going to do, you know, fuck you. Don't do what you tell me,
0: you know? Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Steve a funny guy. I love that one song that he sings, and I have no idea what the name of it is. Um, but it's been on a couple of movies. It was on The Wire. Um, Sing it for us, Brian. No, that shit ain't going to happen. <laughs> I think I've got it on here. Um,
1: Did I say Derek Trucks earlier? Derek Trucks is awesome, dude.
0: No, so who, like, if... You ask me my top five. What are your top five? If you had them, I,
1: I, I, if I have to narrow it down, I don't. I have no idea how to negotiate that question. I really like Derek Trucks right now, though. I mean, that guy like plays a slide like nobody that I've ever, I've ever heard. Um, like I, I, I still love Fish, but I like, I preferred older Fish. I still listen to everything, but uh, it still would probably have to be Fish. I'm. I, I, I don't know, dude. I mean, it, it all depends on, it really does depend on Joe, um, uh, Steve Ravon sometimes, uh, there's a band, Paco De Lucia, uh, so, like, uh, there's an album called Friday Night in San Francisco, it's Al Miola, uh, John McLaughlin and, and Paco De Lucia, De Lucia, I don't know how to say it right, but, uh, I'd take any one of those three. Aldi Miola, he gets really heavy, jazzy sometimes. He's got a really cool version of Norwegian Wood on YouTube that's definitely worth listening to right now. You said the thing about radio stations, like, I, I can't, or, or channels, or even if it's Sirius, or, like, I I just go, like, I I, I listen to so much on YouTube where it just feeds all these different uh, spaces. Like, that's, I, I just... Marcus King is a, is a good opponent. Warren Haynes, dude, is fucking awesome. I love fucking Warren Haynes. Like I, I was uh, there's this version of Melissa. He, Warren Haynes obviously played with the Allman Brothers for a long time, and then of course now plays with Government Meal. But um, there's a version of uh, not Soulshine. Um, what the hell am I thinking of? I'm losing track of my my brain. Warren Haynes. Oh, it's a version of Melissa while Dickie Betts is still. Um, playing uh in the band in the allman brothers and warren haynes hadn't he was still very young um and they're they're playing uh, the the lead part at the end where they have the double the the melodies there the two guitar melodies one on top of the other and uh dick because dickie was you know dwayne's gone at that point in time so dickie was the residual uh But he's just not the guitar player that Warren Haynes is. So when I'm sitting there, I I see Warren, it almost looks like he's in a box. And he's a respectful guy, so he's not going to, like, he knows he's just happy to be playing in the Allman Brothers at that point. But uh, he was so much better. I mean, when when Dickie Betts left and it was Warren Haynes on one side of the stage and Derek Trucks on the other side of the stage, that Allman Brothers was the, that was the best Allman Brothers band. I mean, fucking crazy, dude. Those guys are just a...
0: they're a delight, you know. I mean, and I mentioned Gary Clark Jr. You know, you mentioned Billy Strings and and Derek Trucks, um, the the guys that are playing, um, like the Spanish.
1: Oh yeah, the, shit. yeah. The, the, it's like fl- flamenco with yeah. jazz and a little classical, this and that. Yeah. Um. Those are
0: the the ones. That are the most recent. I mean, I talked about Jack White, but other than that, everybody that we've talked about is at the fucking minimum 25 years or older. Um, I mean, Jack White, kind of recent, um, but you know, we're talking Prince, Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck. You know, you're talking about the Almond Brothers now. All of these people are, have been playing for a long time. A lot of them are fucking dead. Um, you know, and talk about people that have maybe disappeared, dude. Um, there was that guy they called the kid Johnny Lang and Kenny Wayne Shepard. <laughs> Those guys could play the guitar pretty well. And, and they're gone, and I don't know if that's because maybe they were parrots, and they could only play whatever blues was put in front of them. I know Kenny Wayne Shepard tried to write his own shit, but...
1: Have you seen this this girl, Her, H-E-R? Mm-mm. Dude, she is, and you said Prince. You said you, you love Prince. Like I, I think she takes a ton of, she's very young, she's very new. When you said nobody knew, she, dude, she is just stellar i mean like crazy fucking guitar player and some of the, she, she's she's all over music so not everything that she does when she performs is just about the guitar but like when she picks up a guitar dude like she and and you know she, she it's not just straight shred it's controlled you know it's what what i you know it's, it's what uh, uh what's the i just i said the the rolling stones guy earlier um Keith Richards. Keith Richards, he said, sometimes it's not the notes that you play, it's the ones that you don't, you know, I mean, sometimes it's when you shut up, you know, and you just, and like, she seems to, like, understand, and she's very young, she's
0: born in 97, so. Well, it's hard, I mean, so, I, I found that out when I wrote the book, you know, I did People's Propaganda, and I, I found that out. Right now, we have so many fucking channels, and I don't mean on TV, I'm just talking about Fucking media bombardment, right? Mm-hmm. That sometimes no matter how talented you are, you're not gonna get heard. Yeah, that's that's kind of the tragedy of the world. Whether it yeah. you know, whether we're talking about guitar or fucking saxophone, the piccolo, the fucking French horn, whatever, or your website or Fuck a podcast that you're doing. I mean, you might just end up being washed out and being overshadowed by a talentless fucking hack that has no idea what they're doing.
1: That's part of the reason why I use YouTube, though, because that's something that... And, of course, there's an algorithm, right? But at the same time, my search my is populate what what drives it you know they're not going to steer me back in another direction so like if if i'm listening to something and then somebody else is listening to that and and that some something adjacent to it then that's where my recommendations would come from at that at that point so like there are places where you know you can generate space to find what's good or what's better and of course like the i don't like there's all kinds of reasons why to criticize the youtube algorithm but Art, I don't think, is, generally speaking, going to be one of... Uh...
0: Well, YouTube is, is similar to Facebook and and LinkedIn and, and other social media where they want to make money. So maybe her is paying for some sort of marketing. Um, there's still a chance she could get washed away. I, I understand what you're saying about searching for certain videos, but somewhere in their algorithm, they have it built in that she's only going to be able to show within her network a certain number of those people, and then, like to where it pops up in their feed, right? And then it's going to also go further and say that you know, this many people outside of the network are going to be able to see it without searching for it, like based on a recommendation. And then if you search specifically for her, then you can find it. But if you search for something like her playing guitar, then it's going to fucking flood you with 18 different videos of girls playing guitar because... Do you know what I'm saying?
1: No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. That,
0: okay. Well, fuck it. I don't want to talk about technology and how they're <laughs> going to rip us off. But YouTube well, is owned by is Google. To,
1: their goal is to keep my attention, though. So if they if they can if 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 they can feed something in it that's going to keep my attention, that's their first and foremost goal.
0: Well, their goal is to monetize you.
1: That's my point. Okay. That's how they keep that you you. But it, to, you're making money off me by keeping me focused on it, so. right? So if 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 I'm watching something right, and I mean you, I know you get what I was saying. Like if 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 the, if they're keeping this person's attention by having them watch fish, and you know, and they'll, I I they'll do understand to, yeah.
0: what you're saying. I'm just saying that it's not always going to pop up there just because of the similarities.
1: But if math bears out, and this girl's not going anywhere. This girl's going to be a monster. I, I I mean she already is nominally a monster, but it's going to be. Because she's she's just that incredible a musician all over the place, it, and that's by many other people's estimation, other than my own. But that is one super solid female guitar
0: player that I've seen. So is she just recording on her own? No, she's got a she's got a, okay. Sure she's got so a she's contract. got a record contract yeah, uh-huh. somehow. Okay, then that helps out with the YouTube R- thing RCA also. RCA
1: was her first one. She's got a Grammy. Yeah, she's she's not going
0: anywhere. Yeah, if she won a Grammy, then she's not just somebody on YouTube. I was speaking specifically about somebody and they've changed it now, but what's that fucking idiot uh, Justin Bieber. Yep. He ended up getting famous because it, he did a bunch of YouTube videos mm-hmm. that not that it's the same thing because it's a different uh, type of art but dane cook ended up getting famous because he did his shit on youtube mm-hmm. um dane cook not a good comedian no. but a lot of fucking idiots watched him on youtube uh, so yeah. he ended up getting a fucking hbo special and whatever uh justin bieber in my opinion not a fucking talented artist you don't have the fever <laughs> that would have had to been for me
1: he's like it's like even (laughs) funny to think about that because that was that's more than a decade ago
0: right and now YouTube has tightened up their fucking algorithm and done all kinds of other stuff Mm -hmm. and they have monetized everybody dude I mean seriously even if you're using an iPhone you've been monetized by Google because they have so many other fingers on their glove I was never arguing but
1: we're not all I mean I understand how social media makes its money so (laughs)
0: Well, I was just talking about the monster that is Google, not social media specifically. But that's yeah, we're we're good. We're on the same page. Yeah. Um yeah, ish. <laughs> Fuck you, ish. Um okay, so we're coming up on forty five minutes. Once again, nothing was ever decided, but I think we had a pretty solid conversation.
1: Yeah, there was something that was clearly decided. I have better taste in music than you have. That's obvious.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jam bands, woo. Um, I I do want to mention just a couple of, of things, because I feel like I always fucking leave the women out. Um, you know, and, and <laughs> Joan Jett, she's a great fucking guitarist, and Lita Ford was too, to some degree. And they were both in the Runaways, so maybe and this might be something for another show, but I don't think I understand the difference between lead guitar and rhythm guitar, because both of those girls couldn't have been lead guitar when they were in the runaways. Um, Nancy Wilson from heart. Um, And then, you know, I talked about the wrecking crew, but uh, Carol Kay plays guitar and she's a fucking badass. And she's been on over like 50,000 albums because of the fact that she's a studio musician now that's that's talent you know i mean to say that you you've been on that many albums or that many songs um probably good royalty checks well maybe maybe probably not (laughs) it it all depends on how they do the contract um because, like I said, that one dude from fucking Nine Inch Nails didn't get royalties, yeah. and that's why he left and started Filter. Yeah. I didn't say that on the show. We were talking about it earlier.
1: <laughs> um, Since I said Derek Trucks, his wife <laughs> Susan
0: Tedeschi's is, is a fucking monster, and she's a great song. Oh, as well. Tedeschi Trucks,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> fuck yeah, that's a solid band. <laughs> um, yeah. So there are a lot of uh, women who can play the axe, um, and don't let. Anybody tell you any different, even though all we did was talk about dudes for 45 minutes. My apologies to the females out there. <laughs> the sausage fest. <laughs> so, um, I think next time on Friday, we're going to talk about narcissism. Um which
1: doesn't mean that I'm just gonna talk about myself and Brian's just gonna talk about himself and we're gonna arm wrestle.
0: No, not at all. Um I think we're gonna talk about it in the bigger picture because you know, there are certain everybody's a narcissist, but not everybody has narcissistic personality disorder. So people are using that word
1: really weird today. So might be something worth meditating on a little.
0: Yeah, so next episode narcissism. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, Twitter short based or short bus debate. Uh, TikTok short bus debate club.
1: Phone call 720-334.
0: Roll. Roll. Right. Talk to you later.
1: Later.